Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM, Louisville. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and this is episode number 127. Today's topic is Don't Trust Anyone Over 30, Part 2. We'll be talking about Don't Trust Anyone Over 30 in a few minutes, but first, here's what the Climate Report is all about. So here's the bottom line. The problem of climate change is a great deal worse than most people think. There's been a a great deal of catastrophic effects of human activities that have resulted in climate change, and human activities have resulted in other catastrophic environmental effects, including the loss of insects, the loss of pollinators, a great deal of water pollution, a great deal of air pollution, We have a completely unsustainable food system. And all this is because people who have the money have the power, and people who have the money want more money, and they are able to craft public policy to suit themselves. And as a result, we have five major threats to our very existence. Climate change is one of them. Another is nuclear weapons. Another is rapidly diminishing supplies of fresh water. Another is a food system that is completely unsustainable. And the last threat to our existence is the rapid die-off of so many species. And we depend on other plant and animal species, and they're dying off at an alarming rate. Now, the corporate media doesn't want you to know about this. They want to lull us into a sense of complacency, and they've done a good job of it. And the corporate media, including the entertainment media, including the news media, their job is to protect their overlords. Their overlords are the corporations that pay their bills. Their overlords are the corporations that sponsor advertising. So if you talk about the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, if you talk about CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News, They are beholden to their corporate overlords. So it's up to you and me to be aware of what's going on and to take whatever action we can. And that's what the Climate Report is all about. This program is part of WFMP's Public Affairs Educational Programming. The views expressed are those of the speaker and not the station. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please email info at theclimatereport.net. And if you enjoy this content, I invite you to go to theclimatereport.net to find more episodes and more playlists and also my blog. That's theclimatereport.net. So what we've been doing is going over a numbered list that I have here, my handy-dandy numbered list. And the list is entitled, Whom Not to Trust. So, don't trust anyone over 30 is a slogan that came from the anti-war movement in the 60s and 70s. Possibly it was Abby Hoffman who coined that phrase, although I'm not sure. But it's the idea that the people who are operating against our interests are the old guard. The old guard. Sometimes I call them the guardians of business as usual. They are the people who don't want anything remotely resembling... A Green New Deal. We're talking not only about the Donald Trumps of the world and the Mitch McConnells of the world, but we're also talking about mainstream Democrats such as Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Dianne Feinstein. 
So when I say don't trust someone, I'm not talking about being rude. I'm, not, I'm not, certainly not talking about being violent. But when someone shows by their words or their actions that they have certain beliefs, then that's somebody that you should not trust and should not follow from a political standpoint. So last time we got through items 1 through 9 on my handy dandy numbered list. Now we're going to start on item 10. Item 10, don't trust people who believe that government should be minimized because government is inefficient, but an exception is made for national defense. Don't trust people who believe in minimizing government, but maximizing national defense. How is it that so-called conservatives in the United States got to where they say things like, government governs best that governs least? How is it that government became the enemy? Yes, government can be bureaucratic, but so can big corporations. And government can operate to trample on our rights, but so can big corporations. So I was talking to somebody the other day, and, and I said, you know, this bank bailout was really a, law, a raw deal for the average citizen. And he said, well, politicians did that. What he doesn't understand is that our politicians have been bought by the big businesses. And the big businesses cause our government to do things that is against the interests of the American people. But people like the gentleman I was talking to, they have been trained to think that government is the enemy, that government is the bad guy, but they've been trained to ignore the fact that the big corporations that are paying our government to do its bidding, well, they, it's like he, he's blind to the fact that, that these big corporations even exist. So conservatives in America, and to a great extent liberals and moderates, just don't understand that our government has been bought by the big businesses. As a result, government and the media are silent as to the true impact of huge corporations. So we have a big, huge, large, gigantic national defense because that's very profitable to the Fortune 500. But we've been trained that business is a big hero and business will not let you down and business is a good neighbor and if we want to unleash the power of the American economy, then what we need to do is deregulate business. As if business should have no limitations whatsoever. So what I'm saying is that when people kind of in a knee-jerk fashion say government is the enemy, I'm asking, is the war machine government? The last I checked, the military was a big government function. So why do people not trust government, but they do trust the military? According to historian Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz, at times when Congress has a low approval rating and the president has a low approval rating, the military still has an 80% approval rating. That is because of nothing other than propaganda, and the propaganda exists because companies like 
McDonnell Douglas and Boeing and Halliburton pay the media to always put a positive spin on anything the military does, and they pay the media to reinforce negative stereotypes about Arabs and Muslims and whoever else is the enemy of the day, like Vladimir Putin and the Russians and the Chinese. So don't trust anybody who doesn't trust government, but they do trust the military. That is a person who has been severely brainwashed. Item number 11 on my handy-dandy numbered list of items of whom not to trust. Don't trust people who oppose the Green New Deal and professed to be concerned for the environment, but they don't know that we've lost 75% of our insects in the last 40 years. The operative fact here is that if somebody is ignorant of the fact that we've lost 75% of our insects in the last 40 years, and they're ignorant of, of why that is a problem, then they then don't trust such people. They have no right to be any kind of leader uh, or any kind of thought leader. They've just lost all legitimacy if they don't understand why it's a problem that we've lost 75% of our insects in the last 40 years. If your congressperson does not know that fact, then that should be a warning, irrespective of what they profess to believe. Item number 12, don't trust people who don't understand that the U.S. is an empire. The United States is an empire, and some people are okay with that. But if they're okay with that, you should not trust them, because an empire goes hand-in-hand with violating every ethical principle imaginable. Let's take the golden rule. Whatever you would have someone do to you, you do to them. Empire requires you to dehumanize people. Do you want people to dehumanize you? Empire requires that you dominate and even exterminate people who have a different skin color. Do you want people to do that to you because your skin color is different from theirs? Empire requires that you take people's land. Do you want people to take your land? Empire requires that you have no respect for the sovereignty of other countries. Do, you want, do we want people to not have respect for our sovereignty? Empire requires that the strong dominate the weak. But what if you're weak? Do you want somebody to dominate you just because you're weak? Empire means that you put sanctions on countries under false pretenses. A sanction is a siege. A sanction is economic strangulation. And it usually happens under the guise of promoting freedom and democracy as if we have the right to use freedom and democracy as an excuse for practicing tyranny on Cuba, on Venezuela, on Nicaragua, on El Salvador, on Guatemala, on Honduras. We are exercising tyrannical powers over all these countries and our intervention the excuse for the intervention is promoting freedom and democracy, but we're doing, not doing anything but promoting tyranny. Therefore, empire requires that, you be, that your country be a complete hypocrite on the world stage. 
So don't trust people who either don't know the United States is an empire or think that it's okay that the United States is an empire. They think it's okay that strong countries dominate weak countries. There's a word for a community where the strong always dominate the weak. It's called barbarism. By the same token, item number 13, don't trust people who believe in U.S. hegemony, also known as American exceptionalism. So hegemony is defined as follows. Leadership or dominance, especially by one country or social group, over others. Synonyms include dominance, supremacy, authority, mastery, control. So that's what U.S. hegemony is, and some people believe in that. But if they believe in that, they have lost all legitimacy, and you should not trust them to be a leader. When we feel like we have the right to dominate other countries, like we're doing now with Venezuela, domination, intimidation, threats. When our country does that to other countries, it is entirely inconsistent with the United Nations. The United Nations requires that we respect the sovereignty of other countries. And what kind of world do we have if we can't or won't respect the sovereignty of other countries. It's a world where the strong dominates the weak. And that is completely in violation of the golden rule, where if you profess any form of Christianity, some people think we're a Christian country. Let's go with that assumption for a minute. If we are a Christian country, what are we doing violating the, the golden rule? What are we doing violating the commandment that says, love your neighbor as yourself? There is nothing Christian about dominating other countries. It also flies in the face of other mighty fine ethical principles such as live and let live. But U.S. foreign policy knows nothing about live and let live. Item number 14, don't trust anyone who believes in American exceptionalism. The Republican Party platform, like one of the very, very first things it says, we believe in American exceptionalism. The Democrats are just as bad in their actions. They just don't have all the rhetoric that goes along with it. But American exceptionalism is the belief that The United States has a unique role to play in the world. It's even a God-given role. We are a city on a hill. We are a shining light. But, you know, we're not demonstrating that in any way that has any integrity at all. We could be, we are exceptionally strong. We have an exceptionally large economy. We could have a positive role to play in the world, but that positive role is only going to exist if we are willing to first do no harm. When we roll into Iraq and kill a million people in the second Iraq war and a total of over two million people, a war which was admittedly for oil, 
What kind of exceptionalism is that? The only thing we're showing is that the United States is exceptionally violent and exceptionally acquisitive and exceptionally arrogant. Item 15. Don't trust people who advocate regime change. And this includes the entire establishment, Republicans and Democrats. There are very few Democrats, let alone Republicans, who are standing against the regime change that, is tr- that they're trying to do in Venezuela. People who advocate regime change either have no consistent ethics at all, or they have completely forgotten history. How can you advocate regime change in Venezuela only if you forget what a mess we made in Iraq and Vietnam and every other place we go in and try to dominate? Somebody said that Americans don't believe in climate change, but we do believe in regime change. (laughs) I think that's hilarious. At least it was funny when I heard it. Number 16, don't believe people who believe, I mean, don't trust people who don't believe that the Iraq war was wrong. For that matter, don't trust people who believe that the United States has good intentions. Well, we're just a bumbling idiot. We just get, or a bumbling, you know, bull in a china shop, that kind of thing. We have good intentions, but sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we just get carried away with our zeal, our zeal for democracy. But the Iraq war was flat wrong. There is no justification for it whatsoever. We destroyed one of the oldest civilizations ever. We opened the doors for their museums to be looted. They had a reasonably, uh, they had a, a reasonably strong middle class, past tense. They had a decent health care system, past tense. Item 17, don't trust people who don't believe that the Vietnam War was wrong. People who tell you that in Vietnam we were fighting socialism or communism, as if that's okay, as if that's a justification, they've lost all legitimacy. Item 18, don't trust people who believe, who, who minimize the, the dispossession and the extermination of Native Americans. The United States has been an empire since day one. This whole idea that it was our manifest destiny to own the continent from sea to shining sea, and that it was okay to dispossess the Native Americans because they were savages, It would be one thing if that was in the past, but it's not in the past. It's still going on. Item 19. Uh, Don't trust people who don't feel that the U.S. is responsible for the poverty in Latin America. United States corporations have controlled Latin America for time immemorial, and especially in the last 70 or 80 years, but even before that. If you go into a country and get mining rights or agricultural lands under false pretenses, and then you sell the minerals or you sell the crops and you keep the profits and you bring the profits back home to American banks and you don't invest anything in the country and you don't invest anything in the workers who created the wealth, then you are responsible for poverty in Latin America. 
Americans don't want to believe that they are responsible for the poverty of Latin America. They want to blame Latin Americans on the poverty of Latin America. Number 20. Don't trust people who don't know the truth about the American relationship with Cuba. So, Americans want to blame Cuban socialism for their poverty. They don't want to acknowledge that we have had an embargo around the country for the last 60 years. The, another word for an embargo or sanctions, another word for it is a siege. A siege is an act of war. If people don't understand the true history behind the American relationship with Cuba, then they are not to be trusted to be political leaders. Item 21. Don't trust people, especially politicians and pundits, who don't know the truth about the American relationship with Nicaragua. So, Nicaragua was a big deal back in the 1980s, and it's still a big deal. Our National Security Advisor, John Bolton, recently gave a speech in which he basically said Venezuela, Cuba, and Nicaragua are the troika of tyranny, in which he claimed falsely and hypocritically, that somehow these countries are more tyrannical than the American-backed regimes all over Latin America. In point of fact, just the opposite is true. If you looked at human rights in Nicaragua, Venezuela, and Cuba, you would find that people are a lot better off and subject to a lot less in terms of human rights violations than those regimes that the United States supports, including Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, and Colombia would be the main ones. But Nicaragua has been a thorn in the side of American imperialists who are not satisfied with anything less than complete control over the entire world, especially Latin America, which is our backyard. So in Nicaragua, the United States prevented development of programs that actually help people. The United States supported the Contras against the relatively socialist government of Nicaragua. And the Contras were just flat-out terrorists. In fact, the Contras did not go up against the Nicaraguan military. They attacked so-called soft targets, which included schools and hospitals, and agricultural cooperatives. In other words, unarmed targets. So these terrorists were supported by the uh, United States. In fact, the United States organized them, and equipped them, and financed them, and supplied them. So that's the true relationship of the United States with Nicaragua. And don't trust any politicians or pundits who don't understand and openly acknowledge that this is the true history of the United States and our relationship with Nicaragua. If Americans understood the true history of the American relationship with Nicaragua, then John Bolton would never get, be able to get away with saying that Nicaragua is somehow uh, tyrannical and um, American-supported regimes are not. Item number 21, don't trust uh, people, especially politicians and pundits, who don't know the truth about the American relationship with Venezuela. So the American papers have obediently, and for a couple of decades, 
referred to the leaders of Venezuela as dictators. They always referred to Hugo Chavez as a dictator. They refer to Nicolas Maduro as a dictator, even though these leaders were popularly elected. The reason American leaders in American papers don't like the leaders of Venezuela is because they are popularly elected and because they are a bit socialist and American multinational corporations hate socialist governments because they can't just roll in and extract resources and leave the people poor, tired, desperate, and broke. That is the essence of the American relationship with Venezuela. It has nothing to do with a concern for human rights. It has nothing to do with a concern for the people of Venezuela. It has nothing to do with a concern for freedom and democracy. Quite the opposite is true. American foreign policy is tyrannical. Number 23. Don't trust people, especially pundits and politicians, who don't know the truth about the American relationship with Guatemala and the ouster of Jacobo Arbenz. So, Jacobo Arbenz was a popularly elected prime minister of Guatemala in the mid-1950s. He was upsetting the the United Fruit Company which was a big corporation that sprawled all over Latin America and the Caribbean. Uh, The locals called it El Pulpo, in other words, the octopus in Spanish, meaning it just sprawled all over everywhere. United Fruit Company was everywhere. And Jacobo Arbenz, whose hero was FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, wanted to do a little bit of what's called land reform. So land reform is when you take a little bit of the land that is owned by these companies who basically stole it to begin with, and you give some of it to people who need it and can use it and can take good care of it. So land reform is bad news for the American transnational corporations who care nothing about people, but only care about profits. So, United Fruit Company didn't like Jacobo Arbenz, so it was just a matter of a few months before the Eisenhower administration got involved. The CIA started a civil war in a clandestine fashion. The American PR industry was involved. Edward Bernays, the double nephew of Sigmund Freud, who was a master of public relations, engineered a campaign to make it seem like the Guatemalan Jacobo Arbenz was a communist and therefore a threat to the United States. Even President, I mean, Vice President Nixon, he was Vice President under Eisenhower, Vice President Nixon got into the act, went down to Guatemala, and they, you know, tur- they had this. You, there's this film where Nixon is this in this room full of books, and supposedly all these books are Marxist books. In other words, that's subversive literature. It never occurred to Nixon or Eisenhower or the American people at the time that maybe people ought to be able to read whatever they want to read because we were in the business of vilifying the Soviets. War is the health of the state. The state needs an enemy, so if you don't have an enemy, you create an enemy. 
so, and it's got to be a big bad enemy. It's got to be a worldwide conspiracy because nobody's going to believe that little old Guatemala poses a threat to the United States. And the historical reality is that there never was a connection between Guatemala and the Soviet Union. But if the facts are not on your side, then you lie about them. Just about out of time, I want to leave you with one final thought. Howard Zinn said, History is a battleground. We need to learn history. We need to learn the true history of the United States. Otherwise, our elected leaders and their corporate masters will lie to us time after time after time. And we no longer have the time to allow that to happen. With climate change, we no longer have the time to fool around with people who are lying to us. That's all for today. Thank you for joining me.